even last year with all the talk of tanking and all that. And he was, no, we are out here trying to win games. And the team never looked like a team that thought they were out of a game, no matter those first two games where they're outscored somewhere around 750 million to two or something like that. It was horrible to start the year and they bought in on Brian Flores. And this year they're sticking with it. Even a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and benching a player that is playing well. And the entire locker room loves the guy. And you benched him to put in your rookie when he was playing well. And suddenly it looked like, okay, this could be where the locker room tips away from him. But no, they have bought in on every decision he makes, and he absolutely knows what to do. That's Kevin Nogol, managing editor of the hugely popular The Finn Cider. You can check him out at thefinsider.com. That's P-H-I-N, by the way. What a season it's been so far for the Miami Dolphins, exceeding all expectations. Just when we thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be leading the way to postseason, they bring in the rookie Tua Tungavailoa. Brian Flores has outfoxed some of the greatest coaching minds in the NFL. He is 3-1 against the mighty NFC West. They are two games behind the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. How far can this Dolphins team go? Kevin and I discuss the coaching setup, the players. We look ahead to the 2021 draft. In this Miami Dolphins special, I'm Anthony Woodson, and you're listening to the Transatlantic Sports Show. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how are you? Very good, man. Very good. Not as good as you. I'm not a Dolphins fan. I do like your Miami Dolphins team, but... Man, oh man, this must be exceeding your wildest dreams. Absolutely. Coming into this year, thinking this team is going to be better than they were last year, even if it the record didn't show it, but that the team would be better just because they had a year to grow together. They're getting that younger talent together, and they're starting to look like a team. And then this year has started, and no, this team is a team ready to start competing right now. And some. I'll tell you what, you're 3-1 against the mighty NFC West. Could easily be... 4-0. and oh. We're going to talk about the playing side of things, but how much of that is down to the coaching? Because in Brian Flores, you seem to have unearthed a gem. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think that they, um, they, they, they have bought in on how he is taking the team, even last year with all the talk of tanking and all that. And he was, no, we are out here trying to win games. And the team never looked like a team that thought they were out of a game no matter those first two games where they're outscored somewhere around 750 million to two or something like that it was it was horrible to start the year and they bought in on brian flores and this year they're sticking with it even a guy like ryan fitzpatrick and benching a player that is playing well and the entire locker room loves the guy and you benched him to put in your rookie when he was playing well and suddenly It looked like, okay, this could be where the locker room tips away from him. But no, they have bought in on every decision he makes, and he absolutely knows what to do. Yeah, that with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He admitted, didn't he, he was heartbroken when it was announced that they were going to give Tua the starting quarterback role. But even during that news conference, so Ryan Fitzpatrick fronted up, and I mean, the guy, it's a credit to him, and it is no surprise, as you said there, that he is so well-liked in the locker room. I've met him, and he's a very, very, well, he's a gentleman, uh, quite frankly, and you get that. And the way that he fronted to the media and admitted that he was heartbroken, 
But then following that, his head coach, Brian Flores, then addresses the media and answers the questions. But he did it with heart and with dignity. And you can understand why these players are on side with him because he is a leader. He is a guy, it's the phrase, you're going to want to run through a wall for. Yeah, and I think the I think the biggest thing was that his first statement about it was confirming, yes, we are moving from Tua or from Fitzpatrick to Tua. Mm. But he said, the thing that I regret is that this got out before the team could before I could tell the team. So he had talked to Fitzpatrick, he had talked to Tua, they knew, but the team didn't know and it got out to the media. And so he he's not worried about trying to say the right things to make sure that the media knows why he was doing things. He was worried about, Hey, I didn't get a chance to address my own team. I didn't let the players know. Mm. So I think that is a huge thing that it's not about Flores. It's about the team. And they've bought in that this is from Flores down to the 53rd man or the 57th man, or with this weird expanded, uh, uh, um, practice squad, the 69th man, <laughs> the, uh, the the entire team is bought in on what Flores says. Five and three at the time of recording, you know, two games behind the Buffalo Bills, who've yet to have their bye as well, two ahead of the New England Patriots, and well in the playoff hunt as well. I mean, we're going to look ahead to that Week 17 game. We can't get too far ahead of ourselves, but that that's a mouthwatering <laughs> prospect. But to be five and three at this point of the season and well within the playoffs, man, oh man. And you mentioned earlier about last season and the, the tanking for Tua, the way that they've just managed to flip it and be true, legitimate AFC contenders. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. And the fact that they are doing it with one guy over 30, and that's Fitzpatrick. Yeah. That is their oldest guy. Everybody else is 29 or younger. <laughs> and by far the vast majority of them are probably 27 26 or younger it is an incredibly young team that has years and years ahead of them as long as they continue to develop and play like this yeah i tell you what schedulers are uh, well they could easily be flexing that week 17 game in buffalo i mean how far do you think this dolphins team can go in 2020 I think that the AFC East is Buffalo's to lose okay. just because they are they, they they're that one step ahead of the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to keep pace with them though if they keep playing like this. I don't think you're going to see the defense get scores every week like they have the last two weeks. So obviously the offense has to step up some and Tua has to develop and catch up to the speed of the game and not make rookie mistakes like last week when he tried to throw the ball away and almost threw an interception instead. Um, so there, there are things that have to be cleaned up. I think this team can stay with them. I think that they are probably in the hunt for a wild card, especially this year with the expanded seventh seed in each conference. So I think that you're going to see them in that wild card hunt, but I'm never going to give up hope that they can stay right there with Buffalo and make that week 17 game a AFC East championship game. Oh yeah, wouldn't we all just love that? They've I mean you got to play the Jets, you got to play the Patriots again on that run between now and week 17 and that is a long way off. We're just heading into week 10 at the time of recording. Let's go back to that Ryan Fitzpatrick announcement. How did you feel at the time because he was on a fine run himself, wasn't he? He went out to San Francisco, had a near-perfect game. He was doing everything that was asked of him as a starting quarterback. And we saw Tua there. Tua has clearly learned from a great guy. What were your thoughts? What were your emotions when that announcement came through? 
Yeah, I was surprised just because of the timing, because Fitzpatrick had looked good the last two weeks. Yeah. And the team had won two games in a row. And we're starting to look like, hey, we can make a special run here, like they did at the end of last year when they won those games and came out five and eleven. Um, they they were catching that magic. You always have to worry when it comes to Fitz magic because it eventually changes to Fitz tragic. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly you're like, whoa, what is he thinking? But I thought it was a surprise just because he was playing well. I had always thought the bye week was when they were going to make the change to Tua, but the bye week originally was supposed to be in week 11. They were supposed to play the Jets in week 10, have the bye week, and then play the Jets again in week 12. So I thought that's where you would make it. One, you get the bye week, you get the two weeks to make the change. Mm -hmm. Two, you're not worried about film watching as much because you're playing the same team twice in a row. And then three... It's the Jets, and they play like the Jets at 0-8 or 0-9 <laughs> now, whatever they are. So it would be an easier transition. And then they moved the bye week. So I thought, okay, they're going to still find a way to make this change at some point, but it's not going to come this early. And then it did. And it was surprising. It was not expected. But seeing Tua out there, even in the game where he didn't have to do much and – he only threw for 90 yards in his first start. Even in that game, you saw the flashes that, okay, this guy has something. And then last week, he went out there against Arizona and stood toe-to-toe with Kyler Murray and said, you know what? I'm not afraid of this. I am I can play this game. And he played it. And he's, he's, like I said, he's making rookie mistakes still, but he at least looks like the player you thought you were drafting. Yeah, he's only played two football games in, what, the last 12 months after that. Yep. horrific injury last year but I mean it's all pointing upwards isn't it for him you, it looks like you've certainly got a quarterback for the future but also you've got a bucket load of draft capital as well I mean this rebuild isn't too bad is it no they uh, they definitely did it right even I, I did not think that that Laramie Tunsil trade would turn out this well because <laughs> you don't trade left tackles you especially when you have one that can be a pro bowl level guy sure you don't trade them and the dolphins were like you know you know what you're gonna overpay for this so we're gonna do it and yeah it has made it so that last year's draft this year's draft coming up it's it's gonna be quite a haul and again this team is gonna get younger somehow next year and they will continue to grow as a team so it's it's definitely the right way to do a rebuild. Um, we've spent 20 years trying to rebuild from Dan Marino. Mm. And we, we as fans have seen every iteration of let's throw a Band-Aid here and Dominican Sue will solve it. Uh, Brent Grimes will solve it. Uh, Joey Porter will solve it. And it's just player after player at it and it's never worked. So last year they just decided, you know what? We are stripping it down to the studs. We are going to rebuild the foundation of this team and we're going to build upon that. And it looks like it's working. Yeah, and by doing that, you've got your drafted guys. They're cheap. It allows you to build this team. You've got the foundations, as you said there, and then you've got the draft capital to bring in the additions that are going to complement and help develop that young talent. And then who knows where you're going to end up. Yeah, and I, and the good thing is players like Emmanuel Agba are coming in and performing. So even when they go out and get the free agent they're getting younger free agents, but they're getting free agents that actually fit. Mm. And Agba's come in and look like a beast at defensive end on a team that last year had no pass rush whatsoever. So 
Ogba has seven sacks already this year, and the leading sacks for the Dolphins the last two years was six and a half. So Miami has something here that is it, it's it's definitely developing the right way. Are there any areas of need that you think they're going to have to focus on in the 2021 draft? Um, the offensive line has been better, but Miami's offensive line the past few years has been miserable. Right. So better is not good. Better is just in the right direction. Part of that is they have three rookies. So the, the Dolphins are kind of weird right now because they have six starters for five positions. They're kind of plugging and playing players where they think they'll fit for a certain matchup or for a certain play. So there's a little bit of weirdness there with six players, but three of those are rookies that they are getting experience right now. They're making some rookie mistakes, but they're um, they're getting experience. So I wouldn't be surprised if offensive line comes up as a need. Clearly running back is a need because they just – they. I like Miles Gaskin. I think he has done a great job, but he is not a number one feature back. He just doesn't have the power or the speed. Um, Jordan Howard has absolutely been a bust of a signing. So where I was talking about Agba, Howard is the exact opposite. Howard just – it has not worked for whatever reason. Um, so running back is definitely going to be a need. And then I think that they have to – they have to find the right linebacker to plug in there. Kyle Van Noy has played well. He's had some moments where you're, you're not quite sure what he's doing. Um, Jerome Baker is a stud that people don't know, but he's also got some injuries lingering around. So I, those are the three places I think are the top needs right now. Um, some defensive tackle help or some a continuing to build younger wide receivers to keep rotating in because I think Devontae Parker is going to be fine as the number one receiver for the next few years. Um, Preston Williams is kind of disappointing right now. He's mm. just not consistent enough and now he's injured again. So we won't see him for a little bit, but uh, I, th I think that, yeah, running back offensive line and linebackers are probably your areas of weakness right now. My guest right now is Kevin Nogal. He is the managing editor of the hugely popular The Finsider. Check them out at thefinsider.com. That's thefinsider.com. Fin, spelt P-H-I-N-S-I-D-E-R.com. Kevin, this weekend, they're uh, back at home. Uh, what, what's it like at the moment with you know, such a sparse home crowd? How are things down there in Florida with the, the, the COVID situation? How do they manage it at the turnstiles and within the stadium? They've, they've done a really, a really good job of, one, spreading people out. So the primary, the primary ticket holders right now are season ticket holders. Yeah. Um, but what they did was they limited it to 13,000 total for the stadium. And then season ticket holders, you kept your season tickets – but you had to move your seats. Okay. And um, then next year when assuming coronavirus is gone, they'll revert back to your original seats. But so they spread everybody out and they did a good job of, hey, you have two tickets, you have six tickets, you have however many in your group. This is how you're going to sit and then we're going to empty all these seats around you. Then they're doing a good job to go in the stadium uh, and annoyingly, my Adobe Audition, which I record on, crashed, and we lost the remainder of the interview with Kevin Nogal, the managing editor of the hugely popular The Finsider. Make sure you check them out, thefinsider.com. 
he was going on to say that, that they have a 10-minute window with their ticket to go through the turnstiles to avoid any queuing. So any congregation of people outside the stadium. And then you use the app and you order your food using the app. So it sounds like a really good setup. And hopefully the Premier League Championship, our football teams over here can heed that advice. And as we approach the new year and the spring, maybe we'll be able to get fans to sporting events on this side of the pond. I did share with Kevin my story at Wembley Stadium, which featured a Dolphins legend. As you may know, I cover the NFL games when they're over here in London. And the last time the Dolphins were here, I went down into the bowels of Wembley Stadium, did my piece to radio in the tunnel and then as I was working my way back up to the press box we're down at like B2 is where we get the lift so the lift comes the door opens up we go and then at B1 the door opens again and then in steps Dan Marino I'm wearing a cap it's a navy blue cap with a maple leaf on the front Marino looks at me and he says hey nice cap I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan and I said This isn't Toronto Maple Leafs. This is Toronto Blue Jays spring training. He looks at me, turns. Awkward silence. The lift continues to go up. Lift stops. Door opens. Out steps Dan Marino. He turns around and says, Enjoy the game. I said, you too. Door closes. My friend turns to me and says, You completely disrespected the great Dan Marino. I said, Should have got a sport right. I mean, regardless of whether you're a Hall of Fame quarterback and held numerous records, you held the record for the fastest person to throw 100 touchdown passes until last week at 44 games. Patrick Mahomes overtook him last week with uh, 40 games. But by the by, if you're a hockey fan, you're a hockey fan. That's great. But when you see a Toronto Maple Leafs cap, you know it's Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm sorry, Dan. This was Toronto Blue Jays. This was their spring training cap. I had to correct him. So if you took that personally, then so be it. Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, share the story again and shake hands over a beer. One can only hope. My thanks again to Kevin Nogal, the managing editor of TheFinsider.com. What a time to be a Dolphins fan. Five and three for the season. Well in the playoff hunt. Exceeding your wildest dreams and expectations for 2020 and you've got a boatload of draft capital coming in 2021 the future is certainly bright as bright as the florida sun thank you so much for listening make sure you tell your friends about the transatlantic sports show check out our fantasy football podcast with the great andrew jordan he is the fantasy analyst and editor at pro football network and our fantasy guru we've gone through the sky sports games for week 10 and also discuss kickers because i'm going to go kickerless this week in a drastic move you may say but i've got faith in the rest of my roster my roster i feel is so good at six and three i don't want to lose young way ku who is the number one ranked fantasy kicker so we discussed that in the previous podcast so make sure you give that a listen and hit subscribe give us a five star rating as well because we love bringing you all these great guests and when the games are back over here in london i take you behind the scenes we get interviews with all the players i get in the locker rooms i get in the tunnel i speak to the stars connected with all these nfl uk events 
So hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on all this great content. I'm Anthony Wooten. You can follow me on Twitter at ARWooten. That is W-O-O-T-T-O-N. We are at T-A-S-S underscore UK. And make sure you check out thefinsider.com, especially if you are a Miami Dolphins fan. We'll be back next time discussing the big talking points from the NFL from week 10 of the NFL season. Enjoy the games ahead. Certainly some exciting ones at this business end of the season. Good luck with your fantasy team. We'll be back next time. But until then, ta-da!